This is the I Read Comic Books podcast, the very best comic book podcast for regular comic book fans. I am your host, Mike Rappin, and joining me this week, two items off the IRCB combo meal menu, Paul Jaceley. Hello, humanoids. And Zach McCrary. 25 cents extra for cheese. <laughs> Thank you both for joining <laughs> me this week. Last week's show was a monumental 400th, 9th anniversary special. Uh, not our 400th, 9th anniversary. You know, the 9th anniversary <laughs> celebration. Uh, since the of dawn of time. <laughs> We've been doing this show since 1951. Uh, <laughs> no, it was a it was a mon- monumental episode. It was really fun to hang out with everyone on Twitch. If you didn't get a chance, there's a video of uh, some different chunks of the episode that are up on our YouTube and uh, in particular, there was a, an ep- a piece of the show there where we had to had people draw different versions of our logo and then everybody had to guess who drew what. It was really, really fun. Um, so go check that out at uh, YouTube.com slash at IRCB. We have that cool little handle. Um, but otherwise, we're here to talk about comic books. And I've got two legally mandated questions that I have to ask. And that's how have you been? How have comic books been? So let's start with you, Paul. Well, Mike, uh, it has been unseasonably warm here in West Michigan, which means, you know, upper 30s instead of low 20s or teens, uh, which, mm-hmm. you know, has me a little concerned about the future of the planet, but it is nice to uh, be able to go out and walk and not be all bundled up. So, you sure. know, that, I'll, I'll take it as it comes, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. It's also been very rainy, which leads to me staying indoors and reading a bunch of comics, which is what I did this weekend. Uh, one thing that I read that I'm very excited about uh, sharing with you is Essential Rogue Trooper Volume 1, Genetic Infantryman. This is a collection written by Jerry Finley Day with art by Dave Gibbons, Colin Wilson, Cam Kennedy, and Brett Ewins. And it's a collection of early Rogue Trooper stories from 2000 AD. This collection actually is going to be coming out the end of March, but we got an advanced copy. So once again, thank you, Tharg, for giving us advanced copies of 2000 AD comics. We really appreciate it. (laughs) Um, And this was kind of cool because uh, Rogue Trooper is one of those non-dread 2000 AD characters or concepts that I've always been curious about. And this is a really good introduction because it really is just very early stories, world building, setting it all up. And it's a lot of fun. So this character was introduced in 1981. And I have to imagine that the editors at 2000 AD were just looking at the British comic scene and thinking, I know we're a science fiction comic, but kids love World War II comics. Could we just combine the two? And that's <laughs> yeah. what Rogue Trooper is. Um, The basic premise is that it's set on New Earth, which is a planet in the future that's basically a recreation of our Earth, Uh, but it's ravaged by decades of endless war between the North and the South, and uh, the air has been so polluted by chemical weapons that it's basically uninhabitable. You can't exist and breathe the air without a sort of hazmat suit. Uh, Uh So the the Southern forces, the Southers, invent genetic infantrymen, which are basically what it sounds like, uh, soldiers that were genetically modified to be able to survive the harsh conditions of New Earth. Uh, They were all wiped out in a massacre called the Quartz Massacre, except one that remains, the Rogue Trooper. He is uh, running from his South South Troop comrades because he's a deserter and he's also fighting the North. And not only that, that would be good enough for a comic. But they had an extra twist in that the rogue, the GIs, the genetic infantrymen, uh, their brain waves were recorded onto microchips so they could be put into new bodies if they were destroyed. Oh. So oh Rogue Trooper <laughs> has three microchips from some of his fallen comrades that he has with him. One on his gun, Gunner. One on his helmet, <laughs> Helm. And one in his backpack, Bagman. So he's oh talking to his dead buddies <laughs> Dude, while he's walking man. through New Earth. 
this is is this the best comic book i've ever heard of in my life oh my (laughs) it's so perfectly simple i love it that's great it's fantastic what i love is that because it's 2000 ad and it's anthology weekly series it's like little six issue chapters they have to explain that at the beginning of every chapter so you get they get shorter and shorter explanations for the concept of rogue trooper as it goes on like right, right. Oh, he has microchips of his best friends like yep that's all you need to know it's like and he's he's walking around talking to his rifle because it's his his buddy his consciousness right. is inhabiting the rifle um yeah it's incredibly fun comics and like i said it's very much like a war world war ii type comic with futuristic sci-fi weapons and concepts you know rogue trooper is basically drawn he's got blue skin but as far as his gear goes he looks like an american gi the north forces the north they're kind of drawn sort of like fascistic like access forces and the allies are kind of the southers and uh yeah they're just fun little short stories um rogue troopers trying to find out exactly what happened to his comrades why they're all killed in this courts massacre uh he's trying to find the traitor general who you know was uh, sabotaging the South. Meanwhile, like kind of like as a deserter trying to avoid getting caught, you know, uh, there's a bunch of short stories and there's a longer story toward the end, which is really fun. Um, called all hell on Dick's eye front, which is takes place in the South, obviously Dixie. Um, and the Northern forces stage a massive assault on the Southern stronghold. So rogue trooper and sister sledge and nurse that he befriends, have to flee to the coast to escape. And it's just this like 12 chapter long story, full of action, ridiculous over the top concepts. Again, the guy has a talking rifle that he can like program to shoot on its own, you know, <laughs> and he has a backpack. They can pull anything out of that he needs to. And he's talking to this stuff all this time. It's, it's yeah. like you said, Mike, it might be the best comic I've ever read. Cause I read this whole collection <laughs> in one sitting. It's Dude. just super fun. And it, because because again, because it's 2000 AD, the short chapters, you finish six pages, like, well, I got to keep going. It's just like, it's so addictive. You know, it's like comfort food comics. Um, And it's exactly what I want from 2080. It's, it's fun. It's action packed. It's, there's a lot of black humor about, you know, how terrible war is. Mm -hmm. Um, There's all sorts of concepts. Of course, everything's like a space. This, like he's got a laser rifle. It's not just a rifle. It's a LAS rifle. Everything's shortened to military speak. You know, it just, you can tell that George Finley day is having a blast writing this stuff. And, I mean, you get early Dave Gibbons artwork, which looks amazing. You know, I really like Cam Kennedy, the dread stuff he drew. So like the artwork is again, that classic 2000 AD, just like really tight, concise storytelling. I think if you're curious about Rogue Trooper, this is definitely a collection to track down. And again, it comes out in March. So you have time to tell your local shop that you want a copy. Uh, yeah. I highly, highly recommend that if you just want some fun, dumb, action-packed war comics, this is a good one. Uh, dude, I'm I'm very like- excited to check this. I gotta change the top of my pile really quick. Um, <laughs> I think I know what I'm reading next. D- yeah. You've sold me. I mean, er- especially awesome. early Dave Gibbons art. Like you've sold me, but like what yeah. a wild concept. I I'm totally <laughs> on board for that. Um, well, Zach, let's let's bounce over to you. How have you been? How have comic books been? Oh man, life is good. Extremely stressful, but it's like that good stress where the stress is leading to good things. So it's okay. Sure, sure. You know, I accept this. Yeah. Uh, Well, I finished up the New Year's comic spree over on the comics that we love, where I told you last week, 114, 116 issues in one month I read. Mm -hmm. And uh, now I'm back to the normal show and I'm about to do spoilers, uh, a two part Planet Hulk, World War Hulk thing. Hell yeah. yeah. 
Dude. Okay. Yes. I love that. <laughs> and so uh, this week I'm, I, I spent the week reading World War Hulk numbers one through five, Incredible Hulk uh, 106 through 111, and World War Hulk Prologue World Breaker. Um, World War Hulk itself was written by Greg Pak, art by John Romita Jr., Inc., Klaus Jansen, colors, Christina Strain. The letters, the, om- the omnibus lumped all the letters onto one line. Like everybody else was separated by what books they were in. And then they're like, here's all the letters. So good on them for doing lettering. I'm sorry. I don't specifically know who you are, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, this, this was the event that actually brought me back to comics after a year or so of comic book burnout back in the day, Whoa, like when it was actively nice. happening. And it was also the comic that first introduced me to one of my favorite characters from Marvel, the century. So this one was a double banger for me. <laughs> oh, man. Sorry, I only laugh about the century because, like, it's such an absurd comic. Oh, so, so like, it's such an absurd idea. And, like, the funny thing about the century, uh, I heard this on another podcast very recently. I think they were talking about the century and saying, like, the problem with Marvel continuing to write century stories is that it kind of ruins the century as a character because the idea is that he is unknown and that he doesn't have, like, stories to tell. Uh Anyways, I, I just think that's funny, but I'm glad I'm glad that, you know, this was the series that brought you back. I mean, Century's Century's great, but I do really love World War Hulk. I mean, such a such a bizarre oh idea God, for a story, yeah. mm-hmm. and it totally works. Like Greg Pak delivers from beginning to end, totally. and it brought me one of my favorite series of all time, Incredible Hercules, um, probably one of the funniest comic books you could ever read as far as I'm concerned in the superhero genre. I've heard great things. I've never read it, so I might have to now that i'm back on back on this train dude the onomatopoeias in that book that they use in like the big bold (laughs) font maybe some of the funniest stuff you can see oh man that's awesome so if anyone's not familiar with this book it's basically what happens when you shoot hulk into space and he lands on a gladiator planet finds a home and love (laughs) and then the ship you sent him wipes all of that out he gets a little pissed and uh the Mm -hmm. it was the follow-up to planet hulk also greg pock like mike was like Mike and I was just saying World War Hulk truly is like a reap what you sow story that just gets way out of hand. And I, I just I love a good vengeance story. And I think that Pac handles it uh, well, where we see the Hulk having to kind of keep his rage in check and use it as a means to an end instead, because old Hulk would have just come back to Earth and nothing would be safe, just scorched Earth. But this mm-hmm. Hulk comes back with an army and a war bound, like the people following him. And he allows Manhattan to be you know, evacuated. He's like, I just want Tony Stark, Reed Richards and Dr. Strange. Here's what they did to me. I already took this guy out and holds up Black Bolt's limp carcass. <laughs> and <laughs> and is like, everybody else can leave. I want these three. You know, you got 24 <laughs> hours. And no one else needs to be hurt. And for the most part, he keeps to that, even during his ridiculous Dragon Ball Z fight with Sentry, where he has to put the Sentry down to save the city, which yeah, I thought yeah, was yeah, a yeah. great twist. Um, because, and I love, I love in this book too, Sentry's like unwillingness to come out to try and stop the Hulk because he's like he's he doesn't trust himself to do anything. Yeah. And he yeah. was right to do to feel that way, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, that, that's what made me so interested in the character of the century was Pac's, like version of this character showing him really torn about like, I, I know that I am needed, but maybe I'm not needed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, it also presents this interesting idea of like who was right and who was wrong. Because ultimately, was it necessary to be rid of the Hulk for the good of the Earth? Have the heroes been failing Earth all this time by letting him be there and every once in a while go nuts and destroy stuff? Or was it wrong to turn on your friend and shoot him off into space without even consulting him? Because maybe maybe <laughs> Banner would have agreed and understood or not. Yeah. You know, who knows? But uh, yeah, lots of great action, an interesting story. And, you know, I'm not a huge fan of John Romita's people. Uh, I don't I don't like his faces, like specifically yeah. his faces. But I friggin love his Hulk. His Hulk yeah. looks badass. And, yeah. and his use of space in this book, showing all the damage in, in Manhattan that's being done and all the crazy action is so kinetic and just keeps you on your on the edge of your seat. And uh, so I just yeah, I love I love World War Hulk. It's good stuff. Nice. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah, no, that that book rules. I mean, say what you will about John Romita Jr., I guess now. Um, I remember really, really loving the art in that book, um, it's like great. from start to finish. But I could sit here and talk about World War Hulk all day. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where I was like, didn't have event fatigue yet. Mm-hmm. But also, it, this is of the era of like, maybe not all of the greater superheroes are actually good. You know, like yeah. Brian Michael Bettis's Illuminati stuff comes in because that's like a huge factor into this. And like totally. you get this thing of like, maybe all of these big, awesome heroes are like truly fallible in ways that are cataclysmic, not just personal foils and stuff. But yeah, that's a whole other other, other topic I, I would <laughs> love to, to talk, discuss sometime. But um, let me let me talk about a book that I read recently. Um this is, I guess, I will say, I have been on a, a, a huge binge of of playing Pokemon cards. I'm just going to throw that out there, <laughs> nice. let everyone know that this addiction is real, and I'm totally aware of it. Um, I went out and bought some Pokemon cards on Friday, and then I bought more Pokemon cards on Friday because it turns out there's a lot of collector and hobby shops very close to me. Um, and I always feel bad just like going into a comic shop where you walk in somewhere and you're like, oh, well, I can't just I can't leave without buying something like I, I really <laughs> should. You know, I I got I owe these people for some reason. That's like this weird guilt that I have. So I bought a bunch of Pokemon cards and had a good time opening them all up, seeing what I got in terms of rarity, sleeving them and then putting them in a box and putting them in a corner and say, that's nice. Now I have them. <laughs> Buddy, you're going to need a second job. Comic books and Pokemon <laughs> cards. Listen. Here, yeah. listen, I stopped buying comic books, right, for the most part. And now all that money is just sitting around waiting <laughs> to be spent. So why not spend it on, ca- on cards? No, um, I have been I have been a little bit uh, frugal with it, right? Like I'm not buying packs every, like every week and all this stuff, despite what conversations between myself and Nick may say. Otherwise, <laughs> um, I, I've been trying to like be diligent about it and mostly taking like Pokemon as this cool thing where you can scan in codes that come with each of the booster packs and all the decks and stuff that you buy into their online game and then you can use cards in the online game and if you do well in those online games then you can get in-game currency to basically buy more cards digitally which is like the better way to do this in my mind so um you got to pay a little bit to get in but then after that if you're just good like me uh you can (laughs) you just get more cards um no, it's it's been a fun thing trying to build a deck. That's like my year goal for this year is like build an interesting deck, buying cards every once in a while. Um, so I did that. And then I watched Saltburn on Saturday. Uh, that was an experience. Yeah. Uh, I expected that movie to be more of like a mind flip. And it turns out that it was very just on the nose about what it was <laughs> from start to finish. Uh, and I kind of like that. Uh, I don't think it was as as 
as exciting for me as Promising Young Woman, who got done by the same director, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but it's still pretty good. I thought the performances were great. And I this is not a movie podcast, but I wanted to say to everybody that I watch a weird artsy-ish movie. Um, so I'm cultured. <laughs> I also read a uh, <laughs> I also read some comics. I did sit down and read Universal Monsters Dracula number four. Uh, this is James Tinian, Martin Simmons, Russ Wooten, uh, writer, art, and letters. Um, if you don't know, this is a story about Dracula. Uh, Universal Pictures story of Dracula reimagined by James Tinian, uh, Martin Simmons, told in four issues of unparalleled beauty and horror. Those are my words. Um, but very rarely do these days do we get like a comic license from a film production company that meets this bar of like absolute perfection, I think. Um I couldn't give two shits about the actual Dracula story, if I'm being honest. Like, Bram Stoker's Dracula, fine, I guess, right? Like, just a bunch of old people kind of just, eh, what are we going to do? There's a weird man. And I feel like uh, James Tinian, James Tinian, excuse me, Tiny and Martin Simmons, they take this idea and then they give it like this an actual horror vibe to it and I, you know, I haven't seen a lot of dracula stuff so maybe i just don't know if somebody's done this story better but i feel like a lot of vampire stories focusing focus on like the vampire themselves and this series dracula is like a background character right he's he's barely in it and when he does show up he's like a secondary tertiary moment to the actual story that's going on that follows all the the, the players of the story mm. um I think the thing that really sold me about this book is like 96% of it is Martin Simmons's art. Like he clearly loves this story. He clearly was experimenting with some really interesting techniques. Um, his art is just like absolutely beautiful paintings all the way down every single page, massive two page spreads where you can see the actual like chunks of paint still on the page. Ooh, he was doing nice. stuff with almost like collage where he's putting like almost like news film and he's putting like lace and all this stuff onto the page so that we scanned it in. There's like this physical texture to it. Um, I don't know how many other comic books are going this freaking hard um, to try to deliver a specific vibe and feeling um, because characters are wearing lacy dresses the entire book, but like there are particular moments in the book where you can see like he was trying to evoke some sort of like actual 3d like this layeredness layeredness to the characters on the page um, by putting physical items on the page um and it's not just like paint splatter it's like actual lace and string and i, I don't know who's going That's hard like this any these days yeah. um huh. in my in my mind though the last two issues of this series in particular were some of the most stunning um with like i said simmons really amping up his game to deliver these super dramatic super evocative um things that weren't just like blood and guts and gore but instead actual like weird metaphoric symbolic things that were trying to like get you to feel a specific feeling of horror or of shock or of loss um how many I, I don't really know how often we get this in these types of comics where where creators are able to take this freedom to go extremely abstract with the way that they're telling their their books and not to say that like dracula is some mind fuck that is just like you're you got to really like digest this book because it's pretty plain and simple it's the story of dracula but i feel like you could do this book panel by panel and you could get the exact same story out. But instead, Simmons is like taking what could be a 12 panel, like two page spread and breaking it into four panels with a massive wash of like mixed scenes all in one big, huge picture. Very, very different vibe. Um, and I, I cannot get over how just beautiful all the details of the art of this book was. But I don't want to say that James Tynion didn't really do anything in this book because he clearly did. He wrote a very interesting 
way to portray this story where we're getting everything from Renfield's perspective in a lot of ways as Renfield is trying to like is explaining things about his master um, Lord Dracula throughout the book and how he's going to eventually get this power and the final issue of this book really hammers like the the I don't I don't know the pity that I think that you're supposed to feel for this character and and Tinian does a fantastic job of making sure you get that because the book ends as dramatic as I'm sure every Dracula story ends um but with extra beats that I didn't expect to actually feel um interested about like we get the Dracula hunting we get all this other stuff but man like this for a four issue series I haven't felt like this invested in a, such a simple story in a really really long time and I obviously very very biased i love this creative team but also they freaking nailed it they genuinely made dracula like the plain and simple dracula story really really interesting and i have to like tip my hat to that so um go buy this as a trade when it comes out if you can get these physical issues from your shop you totally should um this book deserves all the love and praise that i i know that it's getting out there um but the hype is absolutely real because it's it's real it's a real solid book so um, i don't know if you guys have been reading this at all but man i'm i'm obsessed no, I've been sitting on it and uh, and with the intention of someday reading it, but I, I kind of came in with the that's Dracula, you know, it's going to be sure. it's going to be the same <laughs> song and dance. But uh-huh. uh, like you, you've sold me like 100 percent, like now I'm going to have to go grab my issues off the stack and put them towards the top. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got all this free time now. You're not reading 116 comics in a month, right? <laughs> 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 am i though no, I mean, back to back planet hulk world war hulk yeah that's yeah. true all right, all right, all right. <laughs> it's just a different kind of 116 issues yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> uh well paul let's, let's kick it back to you what else have you been reading well i read transformers number four this is the image series written by daniel warren johnson and mike spicer yeah and uh look I've never been a Transformers fan, even though I was the perfect age when the cartoon was on toys. I never had the toys, never really watched the cartoon. I've never seen a second of any of the movies other than trailers. Uh, The only time I've really been exposed to Transformers is in comic books, Uh, specifically the Transformers versus G.I. Joe that um, uh, Tom Scioli did a few years ago. And that's literally one of my favorite comics of all time. And again, it had more to do with Tom Scioli's artwork than it did with the Transformers. But, you know, this series has been fun. But similarly, it's like I'm here to see Danny Warren Johnson drawing giant robots doing wrestling moves every month. And like, (laughs) that's what's keeping me reading, honestly. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. You know, the Transformers, I find them really dull as a concept um, because it does feel very much like what's invent a story for these toys we already have. You know, it's very reverse engineered to me. Mm -hmm. And this comic, you know, the first couple issues when they're diving into the lore and the history of the Transformers, I was really skimming over that stuff. Um, but by this issue, like I think Johnson and Spicer have done a nice job establishing unique personalities for the different characters, especially Optimus Prime. He becomes yeah. this sort of like the quintessential, like a good guy hero willing to sacrifice himself, you know, to save somebody. The bad guys, the Decepticons are like cartoonishly evil, you know, so it's very cut and dry <laughs> yeah. Saturday yeah. morning cartoon kind of stuff. But this issue in particular does really focus on the human characters. There's a handful of humans that have like befriended Optimus Prime. And like, you know, in, in this issue, there's a moment where, again, Optimus Prime does kind of sacrifice part of himself to help save this 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 teenager that he's befriended. And that's something that Johnson's done in a lot of his work. Like he's made very deeply emotional human stories and characters I can connect with. So yeah, I'm invested, but it's like, 
I know Johnson's not going to be doing the art for all this whole series. Like I think he's switching off mm-hmm. a couple issues. And it's like, I don't know how invested I'll be when that happens, but so far I'm enjoying the series. And I don't know. Do you guys have thoughts on the Transformers or this series in particular? I I'm kind of in a similar boat as you. I was the right age for Transformers. I watched the cartoon, but it never became an obsession for me. I was more of like Ninja Turtles and He-Man and that sort of stuff. Yeah. But it's mm-hmm. always been, you know, around me and I appreciate Transformers, but I've never even read the comics. So this is my intro to comic book Transformers. Okay. And I came in solidly because of the team of Spicer and Johnson, because Same. I just love them. And uh, man, they really have delivered. Then you're right. Like there's been some great emotional like points, like the the scene with the deer when when Optimus first comes yeah. out and, and like what <laughs> a what a moment. And it really lets yeah. you know who Optimus Prime is, you know, and uh, but at the same time, it feels and again, I haven't read other Transformers comics, but it feels like it edges a bit more adult like then <laughs> maybe like because yeah. I mean, I don't I don't remember ever seeing directly like I'm sure there were casualties, but I don't remember ever seeing directly the Decepticons just getting off on squishing the squishy people. You know what yeah. I mean? Like because they're <laughs> right. all about it <laughs> and you get to see some uh-huh. of it. And it's like, oh, oh, this is where we're going. But yeah, yeah I'm yeah. enjoying it. It's a it's a really good read. Yeah, I, I'm I'm right in the same boat. Like, I don't really care about the lore. Um, I think Danny in the chat is saying that I think Jorge Corona is is following okay. this series. And I looked up their their art. They've done some work on DC Comics. Looks very similar-ish in terms of the way that action is styled. So maybe there's okay. something to go there. Um, I know that this is tying into like a greater like Energon mm-hmm. universe thing, which makes my entire body cringe when I hear like the idea that all tied together because cobra commander and gi joe and all that stuff they're all like tied into the same thing and that's fine Mm -hmm. hasbro is gonna do what hasbro is gonna is gonna do right (laughs) um and but still i i think i'll probably try to stick around for an issue or two or three maybe another arc after this one because i like what warren daniel warren johnson has set up in this series so far um it isn't so much up its own ass with transformers lore yet yet is the keyword <laughs> yeah. um that i think that i i feel like i'm still on board with the ridiculousness there's only a handful of characters for us to keep track of and yeah. how they're going to bring other things like the, the beast wars and dinosaur transformers and stuff <laughs> and it we'll see um but you know that's for future creators to figure out i think january daniel warren johnson is doing a great job of delivering his story about discovering why the Autobots are the good guys and the Decepticons are the bad guys. And I, yes, I do appreciate like the very (laughs) heavy hard line that he's drawn here. Like there really shouldn't be anything redeeming about the Decepticons. Um, And I'm glad that they're like, yeah, no, these guys are evil. Like there's nothing (laughs) to redeem about them. So Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, very excited to see where it goes, at least for, for the next, you know, seven or 10 issues. So, uh, but let me let me talk about one more book before we get in the top of our pile. I try to get through this real quick uh, because again, I'm back just like last week's episode. Um, I've got another book that's going to be really hard to find. And like Nick said, it's one of those <laughs> things where as soon as you read it, it self destructs and erases itself from the existence of the universe. Um, but this is World Heist by Linnea Sturt. I decided after last week's show or a couple weeks back, maybe that I would go to her um, Patreon and I would just give her a couple bucks just because I really enjoy what she does. I want to be updated on what she's doing next, especially with publishers like PEOW not being around anymore where she was mostly publishing her stuff. I think now she's just publishing straight to itch. So I wanted to just keep up and I figured I could throw her a few bucks because I really enjoy her stuff. And then it like, two or three days ago she dropped like a 50 or 60 page 
comic that she's been working on for a little while called World Heist. And I apologize that you can only get this if you are a supporter on Patreon. Um, but I think it's totally worth every penny because the story itself, I'll use the words that come straight out of this book because I think it's a perfect summation is uh, at times I dream of foreign unreadable books of serialized stories in the Japanese manner until further context is provided quote mate or in parentheses made up. This comic is in parentheses, maybe best read as an episode of one such story, which is kind of like a weird way to approach a book. But if you go into it with the mentality of maybe this doesn't have to make sense or it might not make total sense. Um, you have a good time. I personally had a great time kind of diving in, trying to decipher what actually is happening, what these characters are in the in the story you're trying to do, because the story is about Task, who is a spell come to life and attached to the corpse of a child, and Tiger, a person whose face has been cursed to look like a tiger who can see into the past, and they're trying to steal something from history. Um, and what they're doing is they're creating with a spell and Tiger's ability to look in the past, this like bubble realm of a previous world in another dimension that they're going into um, through the power of their minds. But like in this world, it's like the rebirth and death of the world in itself that they're trying to visit. They come across the deity who's getting married to someone. There's a party. It's like a really, really weird, surreal book that like doesn't try to handhold you to say, here's how things make sense. It's like, Things happen, and the reason they happen is because this world is ephemeral. Um, and it's a really, really beautiful book from beginning to end. Like Linnea Sturt's art is unparalleled. Um, I talked about her previous book, A Frog in the Fall. I talked about another book, The Stages of Rot. Beautiful books that she clearly just wants to like draw cool shit and then attach a story around those pictures. And I love that. And this book really encapsulates, I think, that idea of this is an unreadable, ununderstandable book, but you will enjoy it nonetheless. And that's exactly how I felt um, because it's it's magical. It's mystical. The panels and pages are laid out in ways where you're kind of spending a lot of time looking at the art to try to decipher what it is. And based on the context of the rest of the page, that may change, which to me is like a super huge feat of art, like the way that you can make someone reinterpret a page based on the context of other panels. In a way, be not not in like description or text, but just the things that you're interpreting on like that are happening in the other pieces of art. Um, it's really cool. It's really strange. I found it to be absolutely charming. So like for a couple bucks a month to get access to something like this is totally worth it on Patreon. So go check that out. We'll put a link to that in the show notes, but really liked World Heist. Um, and honestly, just go buy everything that Linnea Sturt has done. You will not be disappointed. I'll just say that. Nice. I'm yeah. looking at her art and it is it's gorgeous. I really like her play with color and the detail. That's yeah. really nice. Yeah. But uh, let's let's move on. Let's talk about comics that are on the top for a pile comics that are new or old or just something you're trying to read off of your shelf. Um, before we get into our picks, I want to shout out the folks that are hanging out with us on Discord today. Uh, what they're reading. Paul G is going to be reading Coda number one through five. Danny is reading Dead X-Men number one. I've got a whole rant about that, Danny. I'm gonna <laughs> we'll get to it in the break. Um, Hugh is gonna be reading Moon Man number one. CK is reading 20th Century Men. I that is yeah. next on my to read list after the book that I'm talking about today. Um, and Nick is gonna be reading Star Trek Picard's Academy number five. Uh, didn't know they were even still publishing Star Trek comics, Nick. So I'm glad that you're <laughs> you're supporting them. But uh, uh, Zach, let's kick over to you. What's on the top of your pile this week? Uh, well, I'm going to next be reading Spider Man Blue from jeff Loeb, tim sale uh colors by steve bucatello and rich and letters by richard starkings and wes abbott uh, i've never read this one before and it's another 
episode that I'm going to be doing for the show. It's created by this legendary team that brought us Batman, the long Halloween Batman hush. This was part of their, their, like their colors series at Marvel, along with daredevil, yellow Hulk gray and captain America white. And from what I know of this book, it's like a revisiting of a younger Peter Parker, Spider-Man, um, now married to Mary Jane, but reflecting on the loss of Gwen Stacy and how much it continues to affect him. And the mm. storylines from that era are revisited through Peter reminiscing about that time in his life. Yeah. And uh, I really don't know what to expect uh, from this book. I mean, most of the time when it's Loeb and Sale, I'm I'm totally in. I, I like the writing. I like the art. It's just one that I've always wanted to check out as a big Spidey guy. Uh, I'll be record so I'll be recording an episode about that with my pals from Get Wrecked, and then doing an episode with them about this fan film called The Green Goblin's Last Stand, which is a whole what? thing. Go look <laughs> oh, it up; okay. it's insane. <laughs> like this guy, like could have died doing like doing real like crazy things to make Spider-Man climb up walls. It's wild, but yeah. Uh, okay. So I'm I'm excited to read this book. Uh, I've always wanted to, and yeah. Well, I. All I can say about Spider-Man Blue is expect to cry. Um, Danny in the chat agrees <laughs> oh with boy. me. Oh boy! Oh um, boy! It's a it's a it's a really really good comic, but it's gonna tear you up. It's if, especially if oh, Spider-Man yeah. feelings. Uh, it's gonna tear you up. That's that's all I can say. I've got all the Spidey feels, so yeah, I'll, I'll be crying. <laughs> Uh, well, let me talk about a book really quick on the top of my pile, and that is Moon Man number one. Uh, this is from Image Comics, written by Kyle Higgins and Scott Miscuti, a.k.a. Kid Cudi. Um, oh. Art by Marco Locati, which is their debut issue or debut series, I should say. Uh, colors by Igor Monti and letters by our good pal Hassan Otsmani Elhow. Uh, I want to shout out to Image for getting us an advanced copy of this book. So I'm going to um, give a quick spoiler free, free review here because I did read this already, um, which is why 20th Century Men is going to be the next thing I read probably later today. But um, uh, the story of Moon Man number one is basically about a guy named Ramon who's an astronaut who's, who is on a planned trip to the moon that goes wrong for some reason. Um, and it turns out as they were coming back to Earth, or really we don't know the details, he and his crew on their ship blipped out of existence for seven minutes. Cameras were on them, they disappeared, and then suddenly they came back. Um, they were in quarantine for like six weeks, basically to be monitored because no one knows what happened. And then they eventually get released because there doesn't seem to be anything wrong. But now that he's back, he really wants just like a quiet life. He, he's going to try to go to the moon again if if this big corporation that was going to send him there in the first place um, called Janus is going to do it again. But for now, he just wants to live a quiet life. But after he gets back to kind of settling down, um, some strange things begin to happen to him. Um, there is a, a I want to say a cosmic something that happens to him as he's trying to just live this life. And it seems to be in very specific moments. And I'm being vague here intentionally because what that means is, is totally up for you to see when you read this issue. Um, but I really, really liked the way that this book happened took this grounded type character in a very, very too real kind of world and added a lot of like interesting, quote, cosmic um, ideas to some of the things. Um, it's it, As I said, it's really grounded. It's it's kind of sci-fi. It feels like it takes place in a modern time. Uh, but it's about like real people in a real world where money forces good people to make hard choices and where a supernatural change may be both hope and a burden at the same time um that's kind of like the quick summation of things and i liked the way that that is all presented at, through this character ramon as he 
is an astronaut. And that means that there are some luxurious things to come with that. But that luxury truly comes at a price of like sacrificing your ethics, sacrificing your morals, potentially. Um, And not to say Ramon is a bad guy, but, you know, when you get paid a lot of money, you kind of have to not be as vocal about some things as you wish that you were, right? So I really liked all of that. I thought the the twist that they have in this book, this weird, quote, cosmic thing is very interesting. Um, and the thing that really stunned me about this book was the art. Uh, Marco Locati and Igor Monti put together some really, really gorgeous pages in this book. I, I do worry that their overall like style may not vibe with some people. But I think that if you can deal with what I think is maybe some like rougher pages you will be rewarded with some gorgeous two-page spreads some very interesting work play with color especially around some of the stranger moments of this book um and i i think it's it's totally worth it for, for to read in general because i think the style of this book feels a little rough and kind of jagged but it's all for a purpose like all of the color work is done in such a way that feels super subtle and then when i was going back through the pages again i went oh my god that this whole thing it was here the entire time um and it's all done through like really smart color work so like really really like this book i think if you get a chance go check this out uh kid cuddy's writing it and i think that's kind of cool uh and i think there's going to be accompanying music to this book i i have to look back at the pages again but i i really liked the end of of this particular issue because um uh scott miss cuddy aka kid cuddy had this very nice just like two paragraph small paragraph thing that he wrote about how when he started reading comic books it like changed his life and he created this character as a hero for everyone like this is a hero who is supposed to be a person that you can really relate to and i totally got that from the get-go in this book and then by the end of the issue i was i was blown away so highly recommend moon man number one if you get a chance it's it's a pretty solid comic book thank you nice but well paul what about you what's on the top of your pile this week uh well i'll be reading batman off world number three uh this is a miniseries written by jason aaron with art by doug monkey um so jason aaron is now writing for dc which is kind of exciting he's writing yeah. action comics right now and he's doing this batman miniseries uh which is basically batman in space uh, which <laughs> if you're gonna get me read some sci-fi comics that's a good way to get it do it is by putting yeah. batman in it um yeah uh it's pretty over the top ridiculous but again it's it's jason aaron and doug monkey who are both kind of have a little grit to them so it's like kind of grounded and tough even though it is basically about batman venturing out to the far reaches of space and fighting off aliens uh, because he's training. You see, the first issue, we were introduced to this idea that there is someone hired an alien, a mobster in Gotham basically hired an alien bodyguard. And Batman's like, I don't know how to beat an alien, so I best get, better go figure out how and train myself to fight aliens. So he goes out in space. <laughs> of course. He gets captured by this alien warship, and he's basically, you know, put into slave labor and trains the fight and uh it's it's pretty ridiculous and over the top but it's also very very fun because of that and actually what i like about it is early on that jason aaron makes sure to point out this is happens very early in batman's career this is like batman right after year one so this isn't the sort of like oh. master strategist the batman that we're used to right now it's him learning on the job basically so Hell it's yeah. pretty fun because of that and uh you know this this uh whole series is about him venturing out in space he's getting captured on purpose to train and fight the second issue he basically leads a slave or prisoner re, uh, revolt on this alien warship that he's been imprisoned on he lands on the this planet that's inhabited by the toughest aliens in the whole galaxy and he has to find his way off the planet so it's great of stuff course. great action forward stuff 
Uh, and again, Doug Monkey, his artwork is kind of gritty and like tough looking, you know, and it's a lot of detail. He draws these aliens that just look so gruesome and like dangerous and violent. Uh, it's it's great stuff. I believe it. Nice. Um, what I and again, what I really like about it is the fact that they're leaning into how absurd it is at times. There's definitely a moment in the second issue where Batman is being like held back by a bunch of like alien bodyguards. And he's thinking to himself, like, this isn't really that different than fighting off a bunch of coked out clowns. Like I do in Gotham. It's like <laughs> as tough as the, the vacuum of space is like Gotham, the streets of Gotham are even tougher. So it's, it's, it's pretty great. Wow. <laughs> oh man. Well, you've sold me. I mean, Doug monkey drawing aliens is just one, yep. one immediate. Yes. Um, but to hear that it's a little ridiculous, I, I kind of dig that. There's a lot of just like, again, Batman just walking around the spaceship and because, you know, he's working tough, like, you know, feeding the engines of the spaceship or whatever, he takes his shirt off, but he's still got the cowl on. So you get a lot of shirtless of Batman, which is one of my favorite tropes. So yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's great stuff. <laughs> wow. I mean, maybe Batman's one of those people that's just like, when his body is cool, the rest of him's cool. Like I'm one of those okay. people that yeah. if my head is hot, my whole body's hot, right? So maybe <laughs> Batman just doesn't work that way. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, uh, that beautiful image in my head, um, let's take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we are here to talk all about our good pal, Zach, and our first ever panelist show. Um, so we'll be back in just a second. For our show this week, we are doing our first ever panelist episode Uh, what we're going to be doing over the next year i think is every couple of weeks we're going to be taking an episode we're going to be focusing it on specifically on the panelists of ircb um starting in reverse chronicle chronological order uh so today since zach you are the newest member of ircb we're starting with you really excited to talk to you because you know your first episode on this show was episode 378 where you came in uh and the first guest episode that we had you on was on episode 360 so like there was like 18 works weeks where i was just like you know what we got to get this guy in the show and i just like <laughs> pulled the trigger sent you an email and, and thankfully you said yes and you said you'd be up for it so we're very excited to have you to be part of the ircb crew um paul and i here are i got a couple of questions ready for you just to talk about who you are? What got you into comics? So I'll Let's I'll start it. things with a with a with an easy one. We'll we'll start there. Okay. Um, what kind of what was what was it that really got you into comics? Like, what was the first comic that made you say, not like, hey, I really like comics as like a seven year old, but like a, I think I want to get into this as like a hobby where I'm going to be reading it regularly. Um, so I think uh, I fall into that same area as a lot of elder millennials where. Fox Kids Saturday Morning was my genesis. Okay. You know, because I knew superheroes. Like, I knew Batman. I knew Superman, you know, before then. But really, it was things like X-Men, the animated series, Spider-Man cartoon, Batman, the animated series. Like, watching those cartoons made me want to get into the actual source material because I was at the right age where I actually was reading now and wanted to... Mm you know, see where this stuff came from. And, and the first thing I ever read was a collection of the dark Phoenix saga, which confused the shit out of me because I was like, none of these X-Men are on the team that I like. Like (laughs) almost none of them. Why is Wolverine in Brown? You know? And I was really confused. You know, I'm like a little kid, but 
I read it and and I, I convinced my seventh grade English teacher because I don't know if you guys had to do this, but like we always had reading time where you had to bring yeah. a novel. And and I convinced her that this like that I should be allowed to read this in class. So like that's what I did. I, I like buzzed through the Dark Phoenix saga and that was the one. And I was just like, I want more. I need more of this like now. And uh, and that opened the door. So the Dark Phoenix saga was my gateway drug. Thanks to gotcha. Fox Kids Saturday morning. So I to follow up on that as so you finished the Dark Phoenix saga. What a bizarre start! Um, uh, what where did you go from there then? Like, did you go into more X Men? Did you like say I want to get on Batman? Was it do you, if you don't remember, that's okay. Yeah. But I mean, like, obviously we we jump around. I think a lot in our early comic book reading career. I'll call it. I remember. Um, I remember not realizing that single issues wouldn't tell me a whole story. And so my dad, like, he was like, oh, he's he's liking comics. I'm going to take him to this local convention. And so I was just like leafing through boxes. And I'm like, that's a cool cover. And I would just grab. So I had like two issues of the Executioner song and like one issue of like this Spider-Man story. And like and I'm like reading. Them, I'm like, I don't know what the hell's going on. Like, you know, yeah, I'm in the yeah, middle yeah. of this. Yeah, yeah. So like at yeah. first, like that's what happened. Like I, I started just grabbing issues and just checking out all the awesome art and just reading them and not understanding what was happening because you know my first experience was an a collected version of the dark phoenix saga and i did not mm -hmm. understand that if you're gonna read these you have to collect issues that are in an order you know and tell a story and th that took me about probably two or three months to be like okay uh there are comic shops i should i should get my parents to take me to those and then I started to figure out and that's when I started following like Spider-Man, reading like Maximum Carnage and uh, and I got really into Spidey and I continued to read X-Men books. Mm -hmm. um, I, got, I got into uh, I think around that time was Nightfall, I want to say. I got yep. really into that. And that was like that was one of one of the first things that I collected as a comic reader because I just thought that Bane was cool as hell. And and I loved that schlocky ass nineties mm -hmm. Azrael Batman suit when I was a kid. <laughs> mm -hmm. yep. And uh, yeah, so I loved Nightfall. That's another thing I want to do an episode about is Nightfall and Night Quest. And yeah, so I, I, I started branching out, but really for the most part, I stayed a Marvel kid with Batman sprinkled in until I don't think I really branched out beyond that until like my late twenties, honestly. And I kind of stuck to that. Well, you know, I, I think that there's maybe maybe an impression we get. This is me just going off a complete tangent here. There may be an impression here that like you have to get outside of superhero comics or whatever. Uh, I don't think that that's necessarily a requirement. Right. I think huh. that we as like super hardcore nonstop comic book readers eventually find a little bit of like tedium, I think, in in superhero books and realize that there is an entire world out there beyond them um but by no means is that like a bad thing right because i was the same way i think i only read like x-men and avengers and you know all the marvel books that i could get my hands on mm -hmm. until i was like what is this walking dead what the hell is this thing you know and then like <laughs> of course image did the smart thing um of like putting inserts of other books in the backs of their books and that's how i like branched out but it's like we all have our own path of like if and when we ever get out of, of superhero books so i just sure. want to like tamper that and say don't feel bad zach that's okay yeah oh no i don't i don't feel bad you know it's it's a it's a process and if you know if you're just <laughs> dabbling Marvel and DC are the perfect place to dabble, you know, totally. And totally. then, like you said, like the, like Marvel and DC are, are the, the great gateway drugs where if you get so obsessed with comics and you can't stop reading, then you're like, I need more. I need something different. And that's yeah, when yeah, you yeah. start <laughs> branching out. Yeah. 
Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of interesting that you say that because you've found the perfect formula to find new comics and that you host a show, the comics we love, where you get to read yeah. everyone else's favorite comics. You're constantly getting new, you know, recommendations, new stuff to read. You're staying up to, you know, cutting edge stuff in that way. I'm, I was on the show to talk about one of my favorite comics, Love and Rockets, and I was, Which was really amazing. surprised. Exactly, I, I, I just wanted to say is like I was really surprised just how into it you got because I was like, all right, here's a reading list. It's a lot of comics. I'm worried you might not like it. And then we talked about <laughs> it, and you're like, I am all in. Like you know, so yeah, I was really I was very impressed by that. I'm just kind of curious if there anything you've read for that show that really surprised you? Maybe something you. Had low expectations or no expectations, and now has become a favorite of yours. Oh uh, yeah, um, I mean a couple. Uh, I would give a I would give an honorable mention to the the many deaths of Layla Star, uh, that because yeah. that book was just that it blew my mind in so many ways. But I think the one that got me the most was probably Do a Powerbomb, Daniel Warren Johnson, Mike Spicer, as we were talking earlier. Sure. Yeah, man. Like as a lifelong pro wrestling guy. I usually just ignore wrestling comics because they're often really hokey and it more like making fun of something that I genuinely love. And so mm-hmm. I can, and you can usually tell pretty quickly. I'm sure, I'm sure you've picked up some wrestling comics and felt the same way, uh, yep. Paul, but yep. do a power bomb is it's just, a it's way, it's way better than it has any right to be as far as a premise <laughs> goes, you know? Uh-huh. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, on top of uh, on top of just being this like crazy story, uh, it's it's just this really emotional story about two people trying to come back together after experiencing the loss of someone that they both loved, and these and these characters, and then there's also these characters that you hate, and you get narratives about them, and suddenly you kind of understand <sighs> why they are the you know, and it's yeah, he's so uh, Daniel Warren Johnson is so good at giving you ridiculous things like an intergalactic tag team wrestling tournament run by a necromancer. (laughs) And I never expected that a book with that premise would make me cry at the end. It's the only comic that's actually ever made me cry. And uh, it's just that damn good. And I never expected that. I remember seeing the first issue sitting on a shelf at the store and being like, Nope, not touching that with a 10 foot pole. Cause I saw like the, the, you know, luchador just flying through the air. I'm like this, that's going to be stupid. And then I did an episode <laughs> with my friend Damian Becton about his comic. And he was like, dude, no, you got to redo a power bomb because he's a wrestling. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, OK, I'll check it out. And now it's one of my favorite books ever. So, yeah, yeah. definitely do a power bomb. <laughs> Nice. Was was nice. do a power bomb the first Daniel Warren Johnson book that you had picked up before? Yeah, okay, yeah, I okay. never read okay. like Murder Falcon or anything. Yeah, gotcha. Have you gone back and since then and read like Extremity and Murder Falcon and stuff? Or I, is that on your forever to like to do list? I totally understand on, if it is. They're on my list. I actually got uh I got a signed copy of like the collected Murder Falcon and Mike Spicer signed it for me, and I got it from him. Like he was selling them on eBay, and nice. and uh, <laughs> so like it's. It's in the queue. Damien's actually going to come back on my show and we're going to do it because the show is the only way I get to read things. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> I have to like, OK, I'm doing it for the show. I get to read yeah. this now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, well, once you finish uh, Murder Falcon, I highly recommend Extremity because yeah. it will it will destroy you in the same way that I think <laughs> um, do a powerbomb did. Um, I went into that blind recommendation. A good my good pal, Matt. Uh, recommended that book to me uh, when I was working at Comixology. He was like, you have not seen a book like this. And I was like, I don't know, man. I've seen the cover. It looks kind of gruesome. Um, and then it's 
it's beautiful. It's a beautiful book. Oh, Obviously, we know that Daniel Warren Johnson can do like crazy action and gory stuff. Um, <laughs> and that extremity is all of that in one plus like a deeply, deeply emotional story. Um, highly recommend that as well. Uh, obviously, mm. put on your list. Maybe we could do an episode about me. Call my friend Maddie because he's he's amazing. I think he would love to talk about it, too, yeah. um, as a comic artist himself who just like looks at Daniel Warren Johnson's art and just goes like, I want to be him. <laughs> 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 uh, but I guess uh, beyond that, I guess, you know, you're so you do this show, you do this, this podcast, the comics that we love, everyone go check out Zach's podcast if you haven't already, um, because you will find some very interesting discussions about some uh, a wild array of books. Um, but so you you've been reading comics for a very long time, I guess, what keeps you reading? What keeps you excited? Is it just the podcast? Or do you like, are you still able to like seek books out yourself? Uh, or do you is it everything just for like, uh, this show and your show and so on and so forth? Um, I, I don't, That's a that's a really good question. I just I don't know. I just, I, I just love this stuff. It's it's my, I think it's over the years has become my favorite medium for entertainment. And, and also because I am like a, a snooty university student kid, like, you know, I, I read a lot of like high literary stuff in college. And so like, I just, I like looking at comics from that angle and that's really kept me going as a comic reader and wanting sure. to find more like interesting things and break them down. Like that, which is why I started doing that show because that's just the way my brain works. And uh, I don't know. I just, I love, I love the creativity that you get from comics that I feel like is there in other mediums, but comics are like their own animal. It's like its own animal. And like the creators mm -hmm. are able to do things that you can't do unless you have a billion dollar budget sometimes or, but also like, I don't know. It's, that's it's a really hard thing to answer. <laughs> like, no, I know, I know. It's like one of the most vague questions that I ask a lot of people because some people have like distinct answers, others don't, and I think that both of those are fine because, regardless, we all keep coming back to comics, yeah. and it's really yeah. hard to put a finger on that because, like, I I'll tell you myself, sometimes I get just sick of them. I'm just, I read, you know, you read a couple bad comics in a row or books that you don't like, and you go like what the fuck is the point of all of this? <laughs> you know, <laughs> but then like a day or two will pass and you'll come back and be like, hey, I should probably sit down and read some comics. Um, so, yeah. I, I really want to read some comics and like something deeply inside all of our lizard brains keeps us coming back to this medium. Uh, maybe it's habit. Maybe it's something else. Um, but, you know, I'm always curious to know if someone has that hook or not like established. Right. And, you know, it might be like one of those what are, like the different styles of learning, like tactile and audio and, so, and visual <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think maybe it might be like, especially for people who are kind of a combination, like they want to read, but reading a book isn't going to hold their attention. I think Danny has mentioned that before that he's that way, like he doesn't do a lot of just book reading, but comics because of all the art and the action and colors. I think it might be something like that where it hits it hits just right in the right part of the brain of the comic lover to make yeah. them keep coming back. You know, it's it's our it's our drug kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I dig well, it's that. Funny. I dig that. You mentioned being a wrestling fan and I have that same thing too where it's like I love comics and wrestling when I was younger. Got a bit older, kind of tuned out, but now I come back to those things as an adult and you appreciate mm -hmm. them on different levels and it's like there's moments where we've all had it you get burned out on comics. Zach, I'm sure you've had to get burned out on wrestling, but oh, yeah. every once in a while you'll watch like a match or you read one issue, like, fuck, I love this stuff. And it's nothing specific. It's just the experience. Like, yes, this is what I really like. And I can't put my finger on it, mm -hmm. but it's always going to be there for me. So, yeah, you pick totally. up like one issue and it reminds you why you love this stuff. And it, then it brings yeah. you right back and then you're you're right back in it. 
Yeah. Well, you know, speaking of podcasts, I know you had another podcast. I don't know if you're still doing it, where you basically just read comics and drank beer. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it it sadly does not. uh, And it literally was just called Comics and Beer. And it sadly doesn't exist anymore. I am toying around with making it maybe like a monthly thing on my Patreon. Like okay. just bringing right. it back because it was a fun it was a fun show you know we would we would we'd uh we'd have like a, a lubricator you know you'd before doing the show everybody <laughs> drank a beer and just talked then you start the show and there was usually like two beers per episode and we would talk about sure. specifically the beer and where it was from that kind of thing and then also talked about silly comic shit because that one wasn't like talking specific issues it was like five best x-men characters you know like and then we would, but we would be like inebriated and talking about them it was a good time yeah. <laughs> that sounds great yeah. those are also two things i love a lot beer and comics so yeah i have to know i'm curious what not your favorite beer but what's the beer that's just always in your fridge the go-to like old standby uh okay uh honorable mention to miller high life it got me through college as a poor kid <laughs> yep yep because yeah. it is dirt cheap but it is the champagne of beers i won't hear any any otherwise <laughs> But my go-to, I think, as as a native Pennsylvanian, has to be Yingling Lager, like sure. Yingling traditional yeah. Lager. I've got just like a loyalty to it, I think, because oldest oldest brewery, active brewery in the country, and it's a Pennsylvania yeah. staple. And anywhere you go in Pennsylvania, <laughs> even if the uh, the rest of the beer sucks, they're gonna have Yingling Lager. So yeah, there you go. Fair enough. Nice. Yeah, comics and beer. I'm pretty sure I helped bring that show to a close. That I think I was on <laughs> you were what, like the, the last, last episode. episode. Yeah, I think I was were... the last ep- guest on you had on the show. <laughs> and we and we talked about that awful, awful Bloodshot movie. Oh my god! Oh, oh yeah, right. that was yeah. We had the coincidence. If you go go listen to the episode, it's it's a it is a little bit of a mess because on my part at least because I was drinking way more than beer that night. I was drinking. I had like a beer. I had shots of whiskey. I was like, I was like, we're getting really drunk, you know, doing this. Right. Um, and we, Zach and I in preparation for that, like happened to like, I sent Zach a screenshot of where I was at watching bloodshot at one point. And then he sent back to me, dude, I'm literally at that exact same, or maybe it was the other way around. Maybe Zach, you sent me, you're like, I'm watching bloodshot. And I happened to be literally within like a minute of where he was. And I was like, what are the chances of us literally watching? watching this movie right? at the same, yeah. time same time in prep for this show it was that uh, underwater kata scene <laughs> yeah where you can't where you can barely understand vin diesel and he's like i like what you did there water yeah. kata underwater <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly exactly that's the perfect perfect impression <laughs> um I'm going to, I'm going to pick off of one of, one of Paul's uh, questions here. Um, I think like, so we've talked a lot about comic books, I guess, who is Zach outside of comic books? I, you said you're a big wrestling fan. Um, like what else is, do you have going on in your life? I mean, as much as you're willing to share here, obviously. Yeah, no. Um, um, I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty open book with that. Like if, if, if you listen to the comics that we love for any amount of time, you hear about my love of wrestling and other things that I love that bleed into comic books. Sometimes I'm very open about like, where I'm like at in life as far as like, I'm, I, I, I love wrestling. I love reading. I love writing. I've actually like got 10 chapters of a fantasy novel. I've always wanted to write a comic book, but my art is the drizzling shits. And, and I, I can't afford to pay someone to draw for me. And I don't want to waste, I, I just don't want to spend time kickstarting. So sure, sure, that sure, makes sure. it real hard. <laughs> but uh, I, you know, I just, I love creative processes and I love music. Uh, we were talking about that before the show. I just saw my buddy's King Diamond cover band. I love that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm about to be a dad. Like I've got an Insta family, basically. Um, where I'm going to be a stepdad, I should say. Sure. I'm, I'm just going to be dad. 
but yeah. uh, where my my fiance is from Vietnam. I've talked about it on my show a lot of times. She's moving over here. We got an official date. It's taken us like two years, but she's going to be here in mid-March. Move. I'm going to be moving to Maryland and uh, I'm excited for that. So Whoa. that's going to be a whole thing. Like wow. a whole, literally my whole world is about to change. So that's going to be yeah, pretty yeah. wild. But yeah, I'm excited for it, though. I'm excited to be like a family man and uh, yeah, see, get that experience. And uh, and the kid, he loves Spider-Man al- already. Like he's already into <laughs> superheroes and stuff. So <laughs> I'm just going to feed that shit. And yeah. <laughs> we're going to go to Plus, comic conventions. And- I was going to say, you've always got a buddy for comic mm-hmm. conventions. That's yep. the best part, right? <laughs> the whole reason people have kids these days right um <laughs> yeah and i already I, I showed him some wrestling clips and he was all about it they don't have that in vietnam so he was like sucked in sure. and i'm like this kid's my ticket to wrestlemania i'm gonna be like but honey <laughs> he wants to go to <laughs> wrestlemania i'll take I mean, him you don't have to go yeah no that's awesome man that's really exciting i guess the the last question that we have, I don't know, Paul, you have a question that you want to get it to before we wrap up. Um, I did have one like huge question that I wanted to kind of end the episode oh, on. What, let's do that. Let's get the big one out of the way here. Yeah. So, Zach, you've been on the show for a little bit. Maybe you've you've traipsed around and discussed comics with us from time to time. Um, knowing me and Paul, are there comics that you would recommend to us? I came prepared for this and I've got <laughs> one for I've got a book for each of you and then one that I think you both would find interesting. Perfect. Oh. So actually Paul, yours isn't a comic book, but I think okay. you would find this as fascinating as I did. It is called Batman and Philosophy: The Dark Knight, quote unquote, of the Soul. And it okay. is nice. a collection of uh interesting like editorial pieces from various um philosophers taking like different philosophical theories and philosophical ideas and applying them to Batman and Batman adjacent characters and explaining, you know, how Batman falls into this, like whatever they're talking about specifically. And it, I love these kind of things. I have one for game of Thrones and I have one for Batman. I've seen ones for like the Simpsons even, Mm -hmm. and they're always very interesting. (laughs) Like, uh, let me, let me, let me pull open this front here and just give you, give you an example. So we got, why doesn't Batman kill the Joker? And then, of course, there's one. Bat, uh, Batman's virtuous hatred is one of the, the articles. Uh, <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a very fascinating read. And since I know you're a big Batman guy, I think that I think looking at Batman in, in this kind of lens, I think you would be really you would you dig it. You would dig it. But here's the funny thing, Zach, is that that's Wiley Press does all those like phosphate pop culture books, right? I, yeah, I believe so. I believe yeah, so. Because they they uh, yep. did one about the Green Lantern and philosophy, and I have an essay in there. I wrote an essay for ah, one of those no collections. Way. That's too cool. So if, so if you've ever seen the Green Lantern philosophy, I have a whole essay in there about the Green Lantern and the philosophy is Charles Sanders' purse. I did major in philosophy in college, so that's you know part of, in my so, wheelhouse as well. I've not, nailed it. Not read the Batman nailed one it. though. Yeah. So yeah, you you did nail it. Yes, I will pick that up eventually. <laughs> <laughs> That's too cool, dude. I'm totally going to pick yeah. that up. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah. And then, uh, Mike, because I know that you are a manga man and you like the touchy-feely manga, I, I chose one called Orange by Ichigo Takano. Have you heard of this book? I have not heard of this book. Okay. So the general idea is it's a bunch of school kids. And uh, at the beginning of a school year, this this main character, this girl, she gets a letter in the mail purportedly from her 10 years in the future and in the letter 
It's Sold. giving a bunch of things like, you know, a bunch of telling her like a bunch of things that are going to happen. And is specifically like there is this new transfer student. Something awful is going to happen to him. You need to make sure it doesn't. OK. And that's kind of where the story goes. And her and her friends, I believe her, like it's been a while since I read it, but I believe her friends get letters too eventually. And they all are like worried about this kid because they're worried about what he might do to himself because he's kind of like a gloomy kid and and uh they they try to befriend him and and like try to bring him out of like his malaise that he seems to be in and like the story it's just it's a really wild read but it also has you know it's it's very teeny bop too where it's like oh i like this guy should i say something you know like that kind of stuff that stuff's intermingled in there but it's it's really good and it's a really interesting read uh so i I think orange and you can it's it's all collected like this is uh volume one there's two mm-hmm. volumes where it's the whole thing is collected so you like two of these and you're done so it's a it's a pretty okay. cool story no you know i i'm putting it on my list appreciate it yeah and for both of you i don't have it because i lent it to someone because i like it <laughs> <laughs> but uh there was this book called asterius polyp have either of you guys heard of that one yep i have that yes Great oh you book. have it oh yep. perfect perfect what about you, Mike? Have you heard of it? I, I have heard of it. Uh, I Somebody bullied me into buying this uh, at some point. They were like, I can't, I cannot believe you've never read this. And I was like, listen, there's a lot of fucking comic books out there, comics, man. Yeah. Uh, but I, I have it. I think I have a physical copy somewhere on my shelf, um, but I have yet to read it. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, it's it's worth reading. Uh, I mean, okay. it's David I, Mazzuchelli, who like mm-hmm. probably most people know more for like his art for Frank Miller in like Batman Year One and, mm-hmm, and Daredevil mm-hmm. Born Again. But yeah, it's a it's a really interesting read. And I like the way that he plays with color. It's a very simple art style, but it's like one of those deceptive, simple, you know, deceptively simple where there's a lot yeah. going on if you're paying attention. And um, for anyone who doesn't know, it's about a guy named Mysterious Polyp who's like this Cornell University, uh, I think he's an um, architect. Architect, thank you. Yeah, yeah, he's like, he's an architect. And some stuff happens where his whole life literally gets burned to ashes. And he just goes and becomes a mechanic in a small town and kind of learns about himself and changes his whole worldview. And this is all narrated by the stillborn twin brother that was never born (laughs) Because his stillborn twin brother is the narrator Whoa. for the book. Yeah, it's a it's okay. a fascinating read. Fascinating is the word, I think. I mean, this it, is like a big award winner book, right? Like yeah. everybody loved this book at one point when it came out. Yeah, it's it's, it's bi- interesting. It's it's experimental in a way that you know could be off putting because Mazzuchelli is like experimenting with different art styles, mm-hmm. experimenting with narrative styles. But like, I find the experimentation as interesting as the story just to see what he's trying Mm. to do. And even if it doesn't work, you're just like, wow, it's cool that he tried that. You know, Mm -hmm. it's cool that he's pushing himself again. An artist that is already a legend. I mean, Batman year one is, I mean, canonically my favorite Batman story, amazing artwork. And here he is doing something beyond that. So to see an artist really push their boundaries, it's, it's a fantastic book. I have to reread it. Actually just reminded me to go back and revisit it. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. Cause if you, if you look at this book first without realizing who he is, you wouldn't think like this guy drew Batman and Daredevil. You know, it's like it's <laughs> yeah. very different, and uh, which I appreciate about it. Yeah, nice. So well, there you go. Appreciate that, man. No, that's I. I 
you know, I'm glad that we gave you a little bit of time to kind of like figure this out, at least for that question, because <laughs> yes, I realized putting someone on the spot is definitely not the best um, for, for that type of thing. But, you know, this is this is great. I hope that folks at home feel like they, they got to know Zach a little bit better to know who he is, who the person behind the podcaster is um, a little bit and maybe what drives him to keep reading comic books, which is, you know, again, a very big ephemeral question. But, you know, I, I still like to ask it. Um, so I guess to, to wrap things up, um, as always, you can follow us on the Internet at Instagram, on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Discord, Goodreads. We've got a Goodreads channel. we got our YouTube channel. Um, follow us all on the Internet there. Um, you can see the IRCB logo game that we did last week's show live on our YouTube. So if you missed it on Twitch because the VOD completely disappeared off of the Internet, I don't know why. Um, you can at least see that clip where we you know, walked through with uh, Zach and Danny and Nick to figure out who drew what logo. So that's really cool over on our YouTube. Um, next week's show, though, Paul and I are going to be ta- talking with our good pal, Dave Baker. Dave's got a new book coming out called Mary Tyler Moorhawk. Um, that looks really, really cool. And uh, so we're going to be talking to Dave about comics and that new book. Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. Uh, they do all of our music. And we can't thank them enough. They've got a new EP that just came out or a new recorded album that just came out where they re-recorded Sanctuary, one of their first albums. Um, and it sounds spectacular. Like I just listened to it last night and it's incredible um you can always follow us on patreon at patreon.com slash ircb podcast where you can get access to things like the ircb movie club better batmobile uh giant days of our lives saga of saga mike's x-men blind box and so much more hundreds of episodes of content just on patreon uh xander can't believe that you're still listening and really appreciates it and until next time i want to say thank you uh to zach and paul and thank you to nick for proof listening this week and until next time comics are good and so are you.